Section 10 of Mrs. Diamond. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Ruhi Huck. Mrs. Diamond by Anne Isabella Thackeray Ritchie. Book 2, Chapter 2 A Wedding Party the bride she is winsome and bonny her hair is snooded so sleek and faithful and kind is her johnny yet fast father tears on her cheek old song while fires were burning away on tarndale crags and the discussions also flaming up and dying away as discussions do while the people at the hall and round about the lakeside were speculating as to her motives the bride had turned to her mother with tears and many parting looks of love and farewell she involuntarily shrunk from her stepfather mr marney's embrace but she held her little brothers close in her kind arms with kisses and promises of happy things of letters and gifts of long summer holidays to be spent at crowbeck place altogether with her husband the colonel's full sanction and approval the two little boys had been to the wedding in brand new jackets and trousers the gifts of their elderly brother-in-law except for this unusual magnificence all had been quiet enough the colonel's family was in england as we know and susanna had no one to invite her mother gave her away the only witness was madame du parc looking like a picture out of a second-rate fashion book in her cashmere and chapeau de plume and lemon kid gloves after long years in france madame du parc had grown to look more completely a frenchwoman than if her scottish antecedents had never existed there is some curious process of amalgamation which makes our adopted habits often seem more marked and individual than those we are naturally born to madame's french was more voluble her english more broken than if she had been born in the faubourg instead of at Pollock and b her clothes her chaussons her camisoles were completely and entirely characteristic of a french bourgeois the chapeau a plume was purchased for the occasion of susanna's marriage as for the famous cashmere madame had worn it at her own wedding some thirty years before when she had married the mathematical master of the school where she had taught so long susanna was not dressed out of a fashion book but she looked very charming the little brothers opened their round eyes to see sister susie a grand lady that is how i like to see her said madame du parc to the children a la bon roi hein hein the children could hardly recognize their sister in the grand lady in the shining gown with a carriage waiting and a husband in attendance who took leave of them in her feathery bonnet but her kisses and her tears were the old ones all unchanged and so were her smiles and her kind eyes how much nicer she looked in her wedding dress than in the rusty black gown she had worn so long after she came from england but she had put off her old clothes and her mourning on her wedding day and to please the colonel she had donned her silk attire at new Ely, as in tarndale it was thought a great match for susanna when it was known that she was marrying colonel diamond the epicure the washerwoman the mercier next door were only translating mrs barrow's gossip into french 
as they stood in the shady avenue waiting to see the carriage drive off with the bride and bridegroom the difference between their ages was as great as that between their fortunes she was twenty and penniless he was within a year or two of sixty and rich enough to gratify all her fancies as well as his own one little back room at madame du parc's contained susie's possessions her work-box and her desk and the old hair trunk from her grandfather's rectory which she had bought with her to paris but neither crowbeck itself nor the family mansion in wimpole street could hold the colonel's many belongings it was natural that his relations should be vehement in their exclamations susanna had scarcely any relations to exclaim except her cousins the country doctor and his family who were glad to hear of her comfortable prospects as for her stepfather's cordialities they were somewhat ominous and the colonel although a simple and unsuspicious person instinctively felt that he should have to pay a good price for mr marney's hearty congratulations mrs marney wept tears of mingled joy and sorrow for parting and for happiness and when susy herself standing with her husband in the chapel put her hand into his it was with grateful trust it was with tender respect and admiration the bitter experiences of the last year during which she had been so unhappy seemed condoned and forgotten she felt that it was for himself for his goodness to herself to her mother to all of them that she was marrying john diamond and she vowed to herself to be a good wife to him to bring a true heart to him and his a loving home like that dear old home where her grandfather seemed hers once more a happy life a tender welcome a good man's honour and love her own love for her colonel was made up of many mingled feelings gratitude tenderness glad submission all had a part he gave her peace and self-respect the delight of helping those she loved a society to which she was glad to suit herself more and more every day conversation to which she and her mother listened with deep attention and in perfect faith susy was leaving her mother's home but mrs marney and susy both knew that the secrets of that sad house were best borne unshared and unspoken its martyrdom for martyrdom it was was made lighter perhaps by susy's absence no flowers were scattered before the newly married people as they came away walking across the autumnal garden followed by the little household of the villa only the crisp fallen leaves rustled under their feet a scent of september was in the air some sudden dry soft breeze shook the branches overhead susy came with her hand in the colonel's arm he already stooped a little she walked erect and firm trying to keep back her tears the horses waiting outside in the road by the shabby green gates were already chafing when susy got into the carriage helped up the steps by marney's officious hand the little boys waved their new caps and raised a sudden shrill shout it was an unlucky shout for it frightened some stray fowl that had been perching in the branches of an old acacia tree overhanging the gate the bird started up flapping its wings with a loud angry crow the horses were frightened and for a minute they were scarcely to be held in the colonel who had lingered saying good-bye to mrs marney rushed forward greatly alarmed for his bride but susy was too much absorbed to be frightened even by the untoward little incident good-bye good-bye she said leaning forward with all her heart going out to the mother she was leaving behind forever so it almost seemed to her
afterwards susanna remembered that as the carriage was driving away a branch from the acacia tree fell to the ground with a crash again startling the restive horses almost into a gallop mrs marney who was superstitious turned pale marney shrugged his shoulders as he moved away with an odd expression on his handsome face old branches rot and have to fall when the time comes says he with his irish accent twill be a good thing for susanna if she's left with a handsome jointure polly i wish i could have got the colonel to sign a proper settlement i suppose the old fellow was afraid of his family oh it is not good to talk of such things at such moments oh no cries madame du pare indignant with marney for his cold-blooded cynicism before resuming her usual domestic camisole and ordinary habits the good lady carefully examined the acacia tree the branch so she observed had been partially sawn through and furthermore she ascertained from her son max the engraver on the occasion of his next visit to his home at newelly that he himself had occasioned the mischief the branch was dead and i began to cut it away he said but i was called off to a friend and forgot all about it you call those friends who only interrupts who stops who smokes says madame bitterly speaking english as she usually did when she was excited that monsieur jord he was here again yesterday he came with monsieur cawan does he not know i sees through him why could you not give up conspirations for one and come to the wedding max the old colonel he look well considering and that dear child was pretty like everything you should pay a visit of felicitation to the new marriage when you next go to london about your catalogue i have no wish to see the colonel look his best or to facilitate any one said max dryly and listen mamma he added with some emphasis if you go on talking like this about me and my friends you will get me into some serious trouble max usually so quiet and easy-going looked vexed and thoroughly in earnest so that his mother was frightened allons don par example cried the poor lady once more ah you joke i am not joking max answered gravely these are bad times and though you may not know it people are ready enough to suspect each other monsieur marney is so i have every reason to believe in the pay of the police and du pare raised his voice and looked towards the door was it a sudden breeze the door which had been half open to the passage leading to the garden creaked a very little and seemed to move madame's bright old eyes darted one quick glance at max and then she ran nimbly to the window and threw it up she was in time to see marney slowly crossing the grass and lighting a cigar as he went along boys where are you he called out with some affectation of loudness polly where have ye hidden the brats end of section 10